as we continue our study in God's wisdom for our world. Today talking about living with diligence. I'm going to ask you to open your Bible to Proverbs, the 12th chapter. Thank you, worship team, so magnificently leading us in worship this morning. Proverbs chapter 12. I'll read verses 24 and 27. Diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in slave labor. The lazy man does not roast his game, but the diligent man prizes his possessions. Then chapter 13 and verse 4. The sluggard craves and gets nothing. But the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. I remember my first meeting with a slug. I had always thought the slugs were cousins of snipes. Until one occasion as a young man, I was walking along a pathway in northwestern Washington at a youth camp. One evening when my foot slid out from underneath me. And I looked down to see what I had stepped on and realized I had stepped on a slug. For the first time I saw a small mollusk that does not have a, a shell, or at least uh, an external one. And because of that, when they are stepped on, they do make a mess. Slugs are noted for moving very slowly. They are related to the land snail. It is from that picture of the slug that we get our English word, the sluggard. The word sluggard comes from a Middle English origin, a word that is pronounced sluggy, and was used in that day of one who was slow and clumsy. And so a sluggard is one who is habitually lazy, slothful, and inactive. Proverbs gives us several snapshots of sluggards, and in all of them, there is a certain poking of fun, a ridiculing of the one who is a sluggard. For example, look in chapter 20 and verse 4 of Proverbs, where it says, A sluggard does not plow in season, so at harvest time he looks but finds nothing. So you see the man who goes out to his fields at harvest time and expecting to find there some crops and then realizes that he forgot to plow in the spring and plant and take care of the crop. He was too lazy to plow and therefore there's nothing in his field. Chapter 21, verses 25 and 26. The sluggard's craving will be the death of him because his hands refuse to work. All day long he craves for more, but the righteous give without sparing. It reminds me of the farmer who put up a sign at the entrance of his pasture that said, Hunters, please don't shoot anything on my place that isn't moving. It might be my hard hand. The sluggard's craving will be the death of him. His hands refuse to work. He expects others to do his work for him and then to care for his needs. What we have here is the heart of a welfare society. In chapter 26, 
we have additional pictures. Verse 13, the sluggard says, There's a lion in the road. A fierce lion is roaming in the streets. Now, was there really? No. But the sluggard didn't want to do his work. And so he thought of an excuse, however far-fetched it might be. There was a farmer whose barn had fallen down, and a man came by and asked him what happened. And he said, well, it rained and just collapsed. So why didn't you do something to strengthen your barn before it rained so hard? The farmer said, well, I thought about it, but I never did get around to it. When the weather was good, there weren't no need for it, and when it rained, it was too wet to work on. The sluggard always has a reason why the work isn't done. Verse 14. As a door turns on its hinges, so a sluggard turns on his bed. Can you see him there? He's nailed to his bed, flopping back and forth, back and forth. It's time to get up. I'm getting up. And he turns over. The story is told about a sailor who was in a good mood one day and went into his barracks and said, I'll give a dollar to the laziest man here. And all the men jumped up except for one man who just laid on his bed. He was a Texan. And he drawled out, just roll me over and slip it in my pocket. He got the dollar. Look at the next verse. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish. He is too lazy to bring it back to his mouth. He's eating nachos. And he dips that corn chip down in that cheese, but he just can't get it back to his mouth to save his life. He just can't. He's the, like the guy who thinks it's too much trouble to make coffee and so he sprinkles instant coffee crystals on his mustache and then sips the water. The next verse. The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who answer discreetly. He's always got an answer. There's always an argument as to why this can happen or why that can't happen. A sluggard went to see his doctor and he said, Doctor, now that you've examined me, tell me in plain language what's wrong with me. The doctor said, Do you want it straight? He said, Sure do. He said, You're just plain lazy. He said, Well, okay, now give me the medical term so I can tell my wife. The sluggard is always looking for the right answer. He's got an argument for every situation. The opposite of the sluggard, of course, is the diligent man The Proverbs talks about. Diligence comes from a Hebrew verb that means to cut or to sharpen. The diligent man is one who is sharp, who is keen. Or we might say he's one who keeps himself on the cutting edge of where the action is. The person who lives with diligence gets the most out of life. That's a fact. The person who is diligent gets the most out of life. What does he receive? Well, notice with me what he receives as we look again at the book of Proverbs. His efforts result in satisfaction. He receives satisfaction. Again, look in chapter 13 and verse 4. The sluggard craves and gets nothing, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. 
His willingness to work hard produces gratifying results. He knows contentedness, not that he receives everything he ever wanted, but his goals being set are usually achieved through persistent work, by being tenacious and sticking at it. He's industrious. He is studious. He is enterprising. And so his efforts result in satisfaction. But not so the one who is lazy. The one who is lazy will rarely begin something. And if he does, he's unlikely to finish it. And he rationalizes his laziness. Look back at chapter 6 with me. And notice verses 9 and 10. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? Now that might come in handy tomorrow morning. When will you get up from your sleep? And here's what he says. A little sleep. A little slumber. A little folding of the hands to rest. Oh, just five minutes more. And poverty will come on you, says the writer, like a bandit. And scarcity like an armed man. Does the lazy person find satisfaction in life? Not hardly. He robs himself of satisfaction because he won't begin something, and if he does, he won't finish it. And then he has all kinds of excuses why the job isn't done. There's a fundamental flaw in character, in laziness. Real fulfillment is found in being self-disciplined and internally motivated. Consider the kind of satisfaction that these people must have enjoyed. Take, for example, Adam Clark, who wrote a large commentary on the Bible. It's reported that it took Clark 40 years to write out his commentary. Noah Webster labored 36 years forming his dictionary. John Milton rose at 4 o'clock every morning in order to have sufficient hours to compose and then to rewrite his poetry, which of course stands among the best of the world's literature. Gibbon spent 26 years researching and writing his book, The Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire, a classic. And Bryant is reported to have rewritten one of his poems a hundred times, a hundred times, before he would allow it to be published so that he could attain complete beauty and perfection of expression. Diligence. Diligence. It is when we are diligent that we find our efforts resulting in satisfaction. Why else does the diligent man receive the best from life? It's because his increase, secondly, his increase results in self-reliance. He receives satisfaction from the hard effort he's put into something. And at the end of it, he sees it's worth it. But secondly, his increase results in his being self-reliant. Chapter 10 of Proverbs and verse 4. Lazy hands make a man poor, but diligent hands bring wealth. And then again, verse 24 of chapter 12, diligent hands will rule, laziness ends in slave labor. 
What he's saying here is the hard work pays off. The diligent man does not have to unduly rely on others. The increase of his wealth frees him from dependence to be self-sufficient. He works hard, and as a result of that, he receives increase. And his increase results in his self-reliance. A lot of people daydream about that kind of a life. But chapter 12, verse 11 warns, He who works his land will have abundant food, but he who chases fantasies lacks judgment. There's a lot of people daydreaming about self-reliance. But they will never experience it in life because they are not diligent to work hard. Now I recognize this. This cuts across the grain of our culture. We like to think about making it the easy way. But friend, there is no easy way to do it. The way to do it is to work hard, to learn in one's youth, to be diligent. Out of that diligence, there will be increase that will result in self-reliance. But the slothful, indolent person comes to poverty. Man received his pay envelope, and on the outside it said, Your raise will become effective as soon as you do. <laughs> A lazy person will come to poverty. It does no good to daydream about becoming self-sufficient. The man who impoverishes himself from laziness imposes upon himself restrictions that cause him not to be able to enjoy life to its fullest. Now, I want to make it clear that I understand that laziness is not the root of all poverty. Some poverty comes because of oppression and injustice. Some poverty becomes, comes because of politics and because of military action. There's all kinds of reasons for, po- for poverty. But laziness is one reason, isn't it? Being self-sufficient is important so that one can sense well-being and be emotionally healthy. The man who is diligent receives the best from life. His efforts result in satisfaction. His increase results in self-reliance in a healthy and proper and godly sense. And thirdly, his preparation results in security. Turn back again to chapter 6. And verse 6, where we are instructed, Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. Here we have a picture from nature. This is one of two times the ant is mentioned in the Bible. Such a little, small insect. Both times that God talks about it is in a positive sense. Here, the lazy person can learn something from the ant that will make him wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. What he's saying is that the diligent man learns to plan ahead. He learns to plan ahead. 
So if you're a student today and you know that at the end of the quarter you've got a term paper, what's the smart thing to do? Begin the project weeks in advance. What happens when you prepare that way? It results in security. You feel secure about your grades. You feel secure about your life. You feel secure about your sleep. Because you know that when you get to the end of the quarter, you've prepared well enough in advance, the paper will be done. You're planning to go to college? Are you saving money for college? Tuition is expensive in most colleges. You better plan ahead. Preparation results in security. Do you have taxes to pay? You might want to save for those. What about insurance? If you have a child of five, remember that in 11 years he's going to drive. Start saving now for the auto insurance. That preparation will result in security when he's 16. The fruit of diligence is personal security, at least as much as is humanly possible. Let's recognize the fact and be honest to say that true security is not found in material things. But we must also point out the fact that God intends for us to repair through life for our security. The ant is an example. The writer shows us that the ant needs no overseer. It does not need a foreman. It does not need a superintendent. It doesn't need a manager. The ant is a social creature, though I've never found it very sociable myself. It is a social creature. It lives in a colony. Ants, by their nature, are initiators. They are self-starters. They are not clock watchers. Did you ever see an ant with a Timex on its leg? Of course not. They don't watch the clock. They just do the work. In fact, they appear not to rest, although they do. Most ants do their work in the morning and the late afternoon and take the midday to rest. But they're constantly working, it seems. They cooperate with others. Their community functions smoothly. We can learn something from the ant. Secondly, we notice from the ant that the ant takes advantage of opportune times and situations. When it's summer, the ant is gathering in. Why is that? Because there is a time coming when the ant cannot gather in. And so he prepares for retirement, so to speak. And when fall comes and things become more dormant, the ant has his supply laid in. The writer is saying that we must become shrewd investors of our time, our money, our strength. Our preparation, well in advance, results in our personal security. But laziness is like a thief. It robs us of security. When we waste time, our talents, our potential, our money, our opportunities... We squander what God puts into our hands and which is precious. Charles Bridges, in his commentary on uh, the book of Proverbs, which is a classic, writes, The lazy man keeps the future carefully out of sight to be provided for like the present when it comes. 
He always makes sure that the future is around the corner where he can't see it and doesn't have to think about it. Now, of course, there is a sense in which we're to live a day at a time. But taken to an extreme, it becomes sinful. It becomes sloth. There was a student who wrote Henry Ward Beecher asking him how to obtain an easy job. Reverend Beecher replied to him with this remark in writing, If you cannot be an... If you... If that's your attitude, you'll never amount to anything. You cannot be an editor or become a lawyer or think of entering the ministry. None of these professions are easy. You will have to forget the fields of merchandising and shipping, abhor the practice of politics, and forget about the difficult field of medicine. To be a farmer or even a good soldier, you must study and think. My son, you have come into a hard world. I know of only one easy place in it, and that's the grave. He's right. It is diligence that results in our security. John Wanamaker is a name that is unknown to most of us today. He died 70 years ago. But in his day, he was one of the most famous businessmen of America. He was also a wonderful Christian. For several years, he sold clothes in a store in Philadelphia and then quit that job to become the full-time secretary of the YMCA in Philadelphia. But after four years in 1861, he decided to start his own business and did so with God's blessing. In a few years, he had several stores and was one of the most wealthy men in America. At the same time, in 1889, he was appointed Postmaster General of the United States by President Benjamin Harrison. And he was the superintendent of the largest Sunday school in the world at the Bethany Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia. Someone asked him one time how he could hold all of these positions at one time, and here was his response. Early in life, I read... Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. The Sunday school is my business. All the rest are the things. What he was saying was that he was diligent in giving himself to the Lord and to his kingdom and his work, and God saw after the things. One evidence of his right priorities can be seen in the fact that he had constructed in one of his stores a soundproof room. Every day, early in the day, he would spend 30 minutes praying and meditating upon God's Word in that special study prepared for him. Diligence. Diligence brings the best that life has to offer. Therefore, we ought to avoid laziness. It is a waste of life, and it is a waste of the opportunities that Christ will give us in his coming kingdom. It is the diligent person who will be rewarded. It is the one who makes the most of what he's had in this life, to whom Christ will say, enter into the kingdom, great is your reward. 
Each of us will give account of himself to Jesus Christ at the judgment seat. And on that day it's the diligent who will receive the reward. May I again quote from Charles Bridges? He says, Always look on at laziness, not as an infirmity, but as a sin. Affecting the whole man, growing upon us with unseen power, Therefore, don't allow it any rest, no time to root itself. Resist it in all its forms, bodily, mentally, spiritually. Don't allow it any indulgence of sleep and appetites. Live by rule. Have your time strictly arranged. Employ yourself in early work for God. Store your mind with useful knowledge, always reserving the first place for earnest and prayerful study of the Word of God. And so Paul instructs us, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And he says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that from the Lord you will receive an inheritance. Listen, Paul wrote that to slaves. He wrote that to people who really did not receive self-reliance and satisfaction. They did not have much reward in this life materially. And yet he says even to them, be diligent. Because you're working for the Lord and not for men. And he will reward you. I tell you, that kind of an attitude makes a difference. It makes a difference. A poll recently revealed that those who have a high degree of, quote, religious commitment, close quote, like their jobs better and perform them more efficiently than non-religious counterparts. Men and women who took their faith seriously scored well ahead of those of their colleagues in areas such as cooperativeness, loyalty, and creativity. It makes a difference when you see yourself as working for the Lord and not for man. Therefore, let us be diligent. And not only diligent in physical things, in material things, in economic things, but in spiritual things. Too often those are the things that we put last on the list. We see well after our bodies and we make sure that we're in shape. We look to our finances to see that we have money to pay the bills and we lay in advance of what's coming ahead. We take care of ourselves in so many ways and yet often we're lazy when it comes to spiritual things. We we can become sluggards, sluggards in that sense. People who are slow. We delay until tomorrow, or putting off until a more convenient time, making the decisions that will get us right with God. The fact is, today is all we have. It's all we can count on. So let's make those decisions today that will put us into shape spiritually. That will mean that we are being diligent about those things that truly are the most important. Let's pray.
I don't know what area of your life the Spirit of God may be putting his finger on. Perhaps it is that you're not caring for your body. You've become a lazy person physically. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, my friend. Do you need to commit yourself today to diligence regarding your physical body? Maybe it's your finances that you need to ask the Lord's help to be diligent with. Perhaps it's your mind. What a wonderful gift God has given us. But in this day of entertainment, we waste it so much. We put it into neutral. We're not diligent with our minds. Perhaps there's a commitment in that area that needs to be made. But let me go ahead and bore on to that area of our life that is spiritual. Are you right with God? Are you delaying and neglecting and putting off until some other time? Getting right with Him. Dear friend, be diligent about it. Awaken to the hour. This is the only hour you're guaranteed. Today, trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. Receive Him into your heart as the Lord of your life. Turn from everything else that you've trusted in and lived for and live for Him alone. And if you're a Christian and your spiritual life has been neglected, if you've been lazy spiritually, will you tell the Lord that today you will be diligent? That you will renew yourself? Father, I pray that whatever the Spirit of God may find within us today that needs to be addressed, that we will hear His voice and respond to His tender pleadings. And if there be someone here today without Christ, oh, may they this morning, even this day, trust Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And Lord, may all of us who've done that be sure that we're living diligently spiritual lives, putting our priorities first, seeking the things of God first, knowing that you will add all the other things to us in your way and time. Now before I close in prayer, I wonder if there are some here who would say, Pastor, God has spoken to my heart and there are some areas of my life where I need to be diligent. And I'm committing myself today to God to be the diligent person I ought to be in that area. And I want to, by the uplifted hand, say before God, that is my commitment today to be diligent in those areas that the Spirit of God has revealed less than diligence today. Would you put your hand up and then put it down? This is for God and your physical response, really, to say to God, I want to be diligent. God bless you. Father, you've seen the hands and you know the hearts, and now by your Spirit, fulfill these commitments through these individuals. Having put the will into motion, may now the Spirit of God come alongside each of them and give them strength to be diligent in that area or those areas where you've brought conviction this day. In Jesus' name, amen.